to read to you this morning from Paul's letter to the church at Galatia, starting there in the very first chapter with the 11th verse, because Paul is describing his calling from God. So Galatians 1.11 is where we begin today, and this is what Paul writes. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas. And remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you, before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us, is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. God's blessing upon his word, for this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. The story is told of a woman who bought a piece of needlework at a craft fair. She was very proud of it. It was a beautiful piece of needlework. And on it was stitched these words, prayer changes things. She was proud of it, as I said. She came right home, and she put it up on the fireplace above the mantel. Prayer changes things. And there it sat for several days until all of a sudden it disappeared. And she asked her husband what in the world happened to that beautiful piece of needlework. And he said, I removed it. And she said, why? Don't you believe that prayer changes things? And he said, yes, I do believe in prayer. And in fact, I believe that prayer changes things. I just don't happen to like change, so I took the need to work down. Now, doesn't that sound like a lot of us? We just don't like change, so we either try to ignore it or take the piece of needlework down. Today's sermon is a a bookend sermon, two sermons together on opposite sides that I give you this week and next week. And today we talk about change, change in our individual lives, change in the life of the church. And next week we talk about vision, vision for the church about where we're going and why we're going in that direction and what God might reveal to us about what we need to be as a church, not simply in the community of Danville, but in the United Methodist Church in the country. Most of us would interpret the phrase today, the sermon title, 
despair change by talking about the change that you accidentally find in your pocket or in your pocketbook or perhaps in the cushions of your sofa when all of a sudden you discover it and it's like you've gotten rich all of a sudden. You never knew there were 14 quarters lying in your love seat at home. Now you can buy all sorts of Cokes with that amount of money. That's the spare change that we have laying around. But I would ask you to use the word spare today not as an adjective, but more importantly as a verb, that God is not going to refrain from change. He's going to use change, and he's going to use change in us and in his church just as he has always done. He is not going to spare us from change, and he is not going to spare change in our lives. It's a part of who we are and what we need to be. We are not spare tires that are kept in the trunk of a car to be used when we have a flat. In fact, what we're really looking for is to embrace a change of scenery, something new and different that will help us to grow the kingdom of God. Not to maintain the status quo, but to be about new and different things. Things change. You know that as well as I do, and that's certainly not a profound observation. But it's something that we have a very difficult time dealing with. And certainly the older we get, the more difficult it is to change. We like the status quo. We like to get comfortable. All of us like that. And the older we get, the more comfortable we get. We simply don't want to think about change. We like to maintain the status quo. But we also at the same moment realize as everything else changes around us. The world changes. The culture changes. Even the church changes. So we are forced, in one way or the other, to change with it if we are going to be active participants. If we are going to be doing something about growing and nurturing the kingdom, we have got to change. And I'm not just talking about physical change. I'm talking about change spiritually and emotionally and mentally. Now, back when we were growing up as children, seven, eight, nine years of age, you you thought things were always going to be like that. Mom and dad were always going to be that age. And you'd be there with them, and nothing would ever change. Mom and dad just simply never grow old. I have my daughter and my, my grandchildren with us this week. And I look at her, and she's, I don't want to tell you how old she is. Uh, she's older, but things just don't, things change. I know that she thought we were going to be around forever, but we're not. When I was seven or eight years of age, you know, I I thought everything was going to be great. This is the way it's always going to be. But you know as well as I do that life changes, and we're forced to change with it. That's just the nature of the beast. We can't maintain the status quo. All of us have experienced a wide variety of change in our lifetimes. A lot of us here have seen the fall of communism. I can still remember I'm of the generation where they had the air raid sirens, and we went under the desk to prepare for, uh, I guess, a nuclear bomb. I'm not sure what those desks were supposed to do to save us, but we went under the desk. And you know that. And so change has been a part of our, our life. How about the Internet? Where would we be without the Internet these days? Everything is true on the Internet, so we go to the Internet for all of our information, right? That's where we go. How about cell phones? If I had a, had a hand raising here, of how many people in this congregation have cell phones, either on your person, in your purse, tucked in your car, I would imagine that just about all of you have cell phones, 
and that they have indeed changed your life. You wouldn't know what to do without your cell phone. Matter of fact, if you lose your cell phone, you're lost. You're better off losing your wallet than your cell phone. If you lose your cell phone, you lose all your contacts. If you lose your cell phone, why, you lose all those beautiful pictures that you've taken. And if you lose your cell phone, you will never in the world be able to know how to get from point A to point B without that mystical, magical lady who says, turn left at the light in 1,000 feet. And you know that as well as I do. Where would we be without our cell phones? And we all have them. Well, most of us have them. I was talking to Roxy Bennett earlier on, and she lost her cell phone, and it was like life was over. It was it. Come and get me, Jesus. Life is over. I've lost my cell phone. But it's true. We rely on them so much, and that's a change in our life. 20, 25 years ago, we didn't depend on cell phones that way. And now there's everything in there. We got, we got our entire life story in that little box. Cell phones. Things keep changing around us. And one of the things about our Christian faith is that it asserts that God will not let things remain the same. God will not let, I can't even talk, God will not let things remain the same. He's not going to permit sin and evil to win. Things are going to change for his kingdom. The kingdom of God is coming, the fullness of that change is coming, and hopefully this church and we are a part of that change. Change is a part of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ, and you can't get away from that. It is a part of who we are. It is a part of our DNA as Christians to change. Somebody asked me the other day, I guess I was talking to Sean. We were talking about attendance, things that you can do, things that we need to do to be warm and hospitable, to invite people, to keep people. And, and I was saying, you know, if we gave away, we, if we had to give away those little Baskin-Robbins numbers with, with numbers on it for people to get in here, I wouldn't change anything. You know, if we were so crowded, we have 450 people in here that we'd have to get speakers out there on the cars like they did at the old drive-ins so they could hear the music. I wouldn't change anything. And yet, even that, God is not allowing you to stay there. He's going to want you to change because he's going to want the church to grow. Even in the midst of all that prosperity and all that generosity, he is going to want change. So even if we give away Baskin-Robbins numbers, we're still going to be about change because God is about change. In this first chapter in Galatians, Paul is talking about his change. It's a personal testimony. It only lasts for about a minute or so if you read it. But it's a very brief and yet a very powerful testimony to the letter at the church at Galatia. He's describing his former life, that he persecuted the church of God and, in fact, tried to destroy it. And then God gave him a new way of seeing, of preaching a new faith. In his former life, Paul had been advancing Judaism beyond many of Jews of his own age. And now those same Jews were throwing him out of the synagogues because he was preaching and teaching Jesus Christ. In his former life, Paul was extremely jealous and zealous about religious traditions. He was about the Judaistic, man, I can't talk, the Jewish traditions that handed down from generation to generation. But now he's telling everyone that in Jesus Christ, that means you don't have to keep those traditions. You don't have to keep the law. That was a dramatic change, folks. Paul had changed in dramatic ways. He had been trying to destroy the church. Now he was planting new churches. 
He was advancing Judaism. Now is he advancing the cause of Jesus Christ? He was living by the law, and now he's living by the Spirit. Those are 180 out. That's a big, big change. So what made the difference? How did Paul's life get changed around, and what does it mean for our lives and perhaps more importantly the life of this church? I think the key is in verse 15, if you'll look at it. It's in the text there, and it starts the sentence. Because Paul writes, but when God, those three words, but when God, it was God who dramatically changed Paul's life. Paul was advancing in Judaism. Paul was keeping the law. Paul was dismantling the church. Paul was going full speed ahead. But when God stepped in, everything changed. When God got a hold of him, everything changed. Paul didn't change because of something that someone said. Paul didn't change because of what people said about him. Paul didn't change because the other apostles wanted him to change. Paul changed because God got to him and God forced a change in his life. Some people say that the three years he spent in Arabia, he was out there on a sabbatical. He was out there on a prayer quest. Some people say, no, Paul had already been changed when he went out there for three years. He was actually making disciples out there in Arabia. We don't know. Paul doesn't talk about that in his personal testimony. Everything is speculation. There's very little detail because here in this first chapter of Galatians, he's painting with very broad strokes. He's talking about the power of the gospel. But when God, when God stepped in, When Paul received a new way of seeing, a new way of living, everything changed. Everything changed. If we're honest, probably we're the same way. We're extremely busy in our lives, are we not? Just like Paul. Paul was out there advancing Judaism. Perhaps we're also out there focusing on advancing our ways ourselves in some way perhaps in school, perhaps in business, perhaps excelling at work, perhaps excelling at some sport. We're trying to advance our lives. Just as Paul is zealous, perhaps we are also zealous. Perhaps there's a certain project in the community or a certain project in the church that we are extremely zealous about. Paul was concerned about traditions, Jewish traditions pass from generation to generation. Don't we find ourselves in the same thing, same boat? Aren't we sometimes concerned about the traditions that we have brought this far? Not willing to listen for the change that God wants for his kingdom, but holding so tightly to the church traditions that we feel are important. We might be going full speed ahead. Going full speed ahead about something we care deeply about just as Paul had in his life. But then God comes. God changes the way Paul sees things. God changes the way Paul lives his life. God changes the way that Paul sees other people. Now we're told there's no Jew or Gentile. Now we're told there's no slave or free, no men, no woman. One new humanity in Jesus Christ He comes to have a new understanding of the law. He comes to have a new understanding of the Old Testament and how it all points to Jesus Christ. 
In a similar way, we too can receive that change. And I guess that's what I'm asking of you today, is to be open to that change. A physical change, a mental change, an emotional change, and most certainly a spiritual change. A new way of looking at success in the church that has nothing to do with numbers or money, but has more to do with love and patience and kindness and understanding. Remember those four, love, patience, kindness, understanding. A new way of getting ahead by being faithful. A new way of being different people, not by the kind of clothes we wear or the kind of home in which we live, but by the kind of people we are. A new way because we see people in a different light, the way Jesus Christ would see them not divided between races or denominations or old or young or men and women, but once again as one new humanity in Jesus Christ. God changed Paul, gave him a new way of seeing, and God can change us. God's working in our lives all along and has been ever since we were born. Any of you think you're perfect? Any of you think you're done changing? You think you're a finished product? Because none of us are including me, God continues to work in our lives daily and we should welcome that change and we should welcome what God wants to do in our lives. He doesn't keep us the same. He does not maintain the status quo because his kingdom is growing and every day he's about new and different things. God is at work in our lives. Sometimes when we're unaware of it, sometimes when we're at odds with God or odds with the church, God is still working in our lives. For all the drama that we talk about Paul's conversion, there were a lot of things that didn't change in Paul's life. It's very clear that Paul, in some respects, was the same Paul as he had always been. Paul was stubborn and independently minded. Woo! Almost. Paul was stubborn and independently minded. Any of you stubborn or independently minded? If so, probably just like Paul. Paul was passionate. Paul was passionate. I was talking to Margaret today. She's our pianist at the 901, she was talking about being up at 4 a.m. this morning because she couldn't sleep. She turned the TV on, and there was a, a Sunday morning service happening in Indonesia, Guadalupar. And she said, you know, they had a big choir, and they had this pastor, and they had lots and lots of people. But she said, it was so passionate that it came through the TV. I wanted to jump into that TV and to be a part of it because you could tell they were worshiping from the heart. It was a passionate service that was about God, was about Jesus Christ, and I wanted to be a part of it. Paul was passionate. Are you passionate? Are you passionate? Paul was headstrong. He was very active. Are you headstrong? Are you very active? You don't consult anyone before you do something? I do that sometimes. Oh, me and Shirley, we're the only ones. Sometimes we're just like Paul. Sometimes we get full of ourselves, just like Paul was. If you read that last verse in the chapter in 24, he says, and they glorified God because of me. That may very well have been true, but that was a rather self-centered, selfish way to look at it. They glorified God. 
because of me. For all the changes in our lives, for all the great work that he was doing, Paul was still an unfinished product. He was still in progress. God wasn't finished with him yet. God is not finished with us, and he is not finished with this church. We have not arrived. We have not reached the final destination. God is not finished with any of us. Whether you've lived nine years or 90 years, God is working for change in your life. That one-minute testimony of Paul is not simply a one-minute testimony. It is a lifelong testimony that he lived into, and we should be living into the same. As you reflect upon your life this day, as you reflect upon the life of this church, where is God calling you? What is he calling you to change in your life? What is he calling you to do differently? What is he calling us to do differently in this church? Not for us, but for Danville, for the United States of America, for this country. What is he talking about for us to do differently that we might be passionate about Jesus Christ? Just like those people in Guadalupe. God is leading his church in a season of change. And our question is, how are we going to change with it? How are we going to change with it? I am reminded of those church signs that you see outside. We have one, but we don't put those funny little sayings on there. But here's one I found. The sign of God is that we are led where we do not intend to go. The sign of God is that we are led where we do not intend to go. God leads us. Sometimes screaming and clawing and saying, I don't want to go there, but God leads us nonetheless. And the lesson for us is to look at those changes and say, we welcome them, God. Let us be a part. If this is your will, if this is your way, let us be a part. Let us cooperate with those changes. Few of us know what tomorrow has in store. All of us will be a day older. All of our kids and grandchildren will be a day older. The Brass Band Festival will be over. But other than that, the changes that we experience are all going to be surprises. In each of those circumstances, we can ask, God, are you working? Give me ears to hear and eyes to see and a hearts with which to feel that I might know the change that you want and the direction in which you want to lead me. Some things change the same for a long time, but eventually they change too. They change too. God does not change, but he uses change to work in and through our lives and the life of this church. He uses change to move his church and to move his children into his kingdom, and that's what we need to be about. When we feel we need to go down a different path, when we feel we need to do something different, when we feel like we're just not keeping traditions, but we're really answering God's call, then we need to be open and listen to God's voice. I don't wish a Damascus Road experience upon any of us. I don't think any of us want that. But rest assured that if God wants us to change, if he wants us to go in a new direction, if he wants us to be involved in discipling and making disciples and having passionate worship, and welcoming people, and living like Christ in this world, then he is most certainly going to get our attention one way or the other. 
Our lives are about change, whether we like to admit it or not. And God is going to use that change for his glory. Rest assured. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me, please?